listening to By the Well, a lectionary-based podcast for preachers recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people. Hello everyone, I'm Fran Barber. And I'm Howard Wallace. And Howard and I are going to be focusing on the readings for the first week in Advent. And in particular, we're looking at Isaiah 64, verses 1 to 9, and Mark 13, verses 24 to 37. So we're in Advent, so a new season, um, not one that we should at all really separate from what's just gone before. So we've just celebrated Christ the King, and in a sense, Advent leads us into really exploring the um, nature of this kingship that Christ embodies, uh, a kingship that obviously is completely different from any worldly king we know and turns everything on its head. I am going to start um, talking a bit about Advent by spruiking a new book that I've come across. Uh, Samuel Wells has put out another book called How to Preach, Times, Seasons, Texts and Contexts. And it's a book that I think is a ripper for anyone listening who's just starting their preaching journey. Uh, And it's also a really good book for someone who might be feeling a bit tired and been through the lectionary six times or something. The book um, has great chapters on um, things like how to preach in the context of disability, how to preach during times of war, how to preach politically and so on, and and then there's commentary around the nature of preaching and sermons. But then there are sermons themselves and there's a really good chapter on preaching in the season of Advent and preaching on Advent Sunday. So I say all that for those of you (coughs) interested in delving into something quite readable and very useful, but I really like what Sam says in Advent that, you know, we can quite easily fall into fairly trite... um, ..sermons and comments around preparation and, and waiting. Both of those... Words are part of what we do in Advent, but that, in fact, it's a really weighty time and it's almost like an Easter season where we're gathering in divine comings and awaitings. And in particular, Sam really um, speaks compellingly about tackling the big questions like Mm. time and eternity and what does the end look like and why are things still terrible even though Jesus has come. And he even says things like, why Christianity has not lived up to what it proposed it was going to be. You know, deal with these big questions and Advent Sunday in particular invites those sorts of existential um, wonderings and a gospel response. Uh, And then he suggests you could do carols in the evening if you've got people who still really want to sing carols a bit too early. (laughs) Anyway, that's a long (coughs) intro into a new... um, resource and also a reminder to don't leap too quickly to the baby and the whole sort of preparation thing but let's talk about the meaning of it all and i think advent one the first week of the year (coughs) really introduces those bigger themes to to look at and i think holds us back a little bit from the the joy of a Yes, a baby as does the do mm. the readings next week as well in yes. Advent too. So we're beginning with Isaiah sixty four, Howard. Yep. Um, traditionally, I think understood to be third Isaiah, but can you give us some background yes. to remind well, people? I'll say a little bit about Isaiah in a moment, but I just wanted to say something too about the the Old Testament readings over these next four weeks in Advent, because we find every year 
um, and we're moving into year B, the year of Mark's gospel, um, that prophets focus, um, are the focus in, in Advent for Old Testament readings. And, and this year particularly it's three uh, readings from Isaiah. Mm. They usually begin <clears throat> each year with a, uh, a prophetic passage that really brings in very large issues of peace and justice in the world. Um, and they're often sometimes apocalyptic passages mm. uh, with language that sort of evokes a, the idea of maybe the end or the completion of, of creation. And that's where we find ourselves and to some extent today. But then, of course, as Advent progresses towards Christmas, um, we find the Old Testament readings become more focused on things that are going to be picked up in the Gospels, like um, next week we'll be hearing some passages that are later related by the Gospels to John the Baptist. And then, of course, as you get to the last Sunday in Advent, your focus then moves to to Mary and um, the thoughts of the birth that's anticipated. So there is a great purpose that works mm. its way through the, the lectionary in this context. But to come back to Isaiah 64, <clears throat> it is, as you said, part of what we call third Isaiah. There are three main sections of Isaiah, although other smaller sections within those. Um, and this last section from chapter 56 through to 66 is known as third Isaiah and comes from the period when those who had been taken in exile by the Babylonians, chiefly to Babylon but to other places too, um, have been able to return to Jerusalem and Judea, uh, their homeland. Um, so it's a time of, of expectations being fulfilled. Uh, next week we're going to hear a passage from what we call Second Isaiah when there's hope of that return. Mm. But here we find the people back in Jerusalem um, or in Judah. And what we hear in this passage are not words of joy and excitement of being there, but words of disappointment. Mm. Um, the journey has been hard. I mean, you're thinking, I don't know, a thousand kilometres or something on foot. Uh, they've had to come back and rebuild what was there, much of it ruined. Um, there are people who are now occupying what was once there property as they would have seen it um, and then also if we read the uh, little prophet of Haggai there seems to have been a drought or really harsh circumstances in terms of weather climate uh, at that time so they're facing a lot of difficulties and in this passage which is although we've only got nine verses set for us it really goes back to a long lament that begins in chapter sixty. 3 verse 7 and runs all the way through to the end of chapter 64 and it's a lament over that situation the people feel as though they've been let down by God that God is absent from them right at the time when they might have expected God to be fully there with them um, and blessing them in various sort of ways their hopes have been disappointed more than that they've been crushed really in many instances and i think it's a, a strong reminder about hope and 
the nature of hope and the way in which sometimes our hopes, the way we shape them, have, are not always sort of fulfilled in the way that we might expect them to be, which I think is a big theme of, of Advent. Well, that is clearly, you know, mm. one of those deep human questions mm. about the gap between what we maybe expect, maybe there's a certain entitlement for mm. some of us thinking yes. we've been born, yep. you know, with some sort of contract. I think Sam Wells says this, that everything will be fine and we're owed to have everything mm. be smooth and work out. And that was never Well, that's what we find promised. the Israelites doing. Yeah, the, and the that's, not, that's mm. not it. Um and there's something to me very visceral about parts of this part of this passage because of its um, description of the frailty of what it is to be human. Um, we have become one like a, who is unclean. So there's a recognition mm. of who we are yes. here from oh, yes, Israelites definitely. with no mm-hmm. sentimentality. Um, <clears throat> our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. Like mm-hmm. even when we try to do mm. the right thing, it's still... Uh, um, we fade like a leaf and um, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There's something... We're at the mercy and can't save ourselves. Yeah, so they're and picking up on some of Second Isaiah's language there. Yeah. Part of their hope. Yeah. yeah. And I think, um, I mean, we've all had, as we say, personal or family situations of um, loss or fear or terminal illness or, mm. you know, we all know what it is to be that frail. And mm. so I think this is an opportunity to really preach into the reality of that and yes. what 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 where how does god um how do we talk about where god is in that very real situation mm-hmm. and then also you can obviously go more communal and global about that sense of frailty and displaced people and you know and the other, the other side of the being bombed in yes, hospitals and you yes. know the other side of that coin is that they proclaim if you go back to the beginning of the lament 63.7, that God has been faithful in the past. So they're, they're trying to weigh up yeah, their, experience. their experience of God as, and God's faithfulness um, and their own sort of realisation of who they are um, and how this is not sort of actually gelling in yeah, the I present context. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. <laughs> and I'm struck by part of the fragment of verse 4 um, no eye has seen any God besides you, which um, I find quite profound because what it says is we have glimpsed mm-hmm. you, we mm-hmm. have glimpsed light, we have mm-hmm. glimpsed glory, and if we have it, it was you. Mm. It wasn't anything else. And there's something I think to play with there for preachers and as Christians where we we carefully read these as Hebrew texts in their own context, but we see Christ being promised from them, or mm. we read this that that line suggests that, um, in a sense, we read back and we go, "Oh, that we see Jesus there," or that just as we see we look for Jesus in the future, we see echoes of Jesus being promised here, rather than reading him back in. It's a difference of yes. emphasis. I'm probably not ex- expressing it very well. I think the other thing that line is sort of saying is that we have been faithful at times, mm. we ourselves, because then it goes on to, well, on to express um, talking about God, uh, God besides you, who works for those who wait for him. Mm. And so there, there's this um, awkwardness between our faithfulness and our 
experience of God's faithfulness and yet our present sort of circumstances, they don't gel. No, no. It's a reminder, I think, also about what the nature of waiting is. Um, it's it's not simply a, a period of time, but but actually addressing some of those questions, um, recognizing God's faithfulness, asking questions about our own faithfulness, and probing the the disjunction that sometimes yeah. seems to and, be there. And also, it's yeah. avoiding the sort of the cynical. One level, when we're exhausted, we we get quite cynical when we're really tired, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of an atrophied disappointment. And what we're called to from these texts and the season of Advent and the promise of Christ and is um, a more active, hopeful uh, waiting um, that is paradoxically one that is an urgent one. Is it, I'm trying to say there's not a passivity. It's not a passivity that we're drawn into, and we are not called into some sort of frozen cynicism, which we no. is easily to, easy to collapse mm. into. And and how do we avoid those? Yes. And what do, how do these texts help us to avoid that? I think in part the the waiting is about being remoulded as people too, thinking about those big questions about the nature of God and God's faithfulness, about our own faithfulness or lack thereof, um, but also the, this passage is about um, our expectations at times not coming to fulfilment mm. as we, we, we're not sort of holding God sort of to, uh, to his word in, in, a, in a very literal sense. I mean, God's word will unfold in ways that we really do not expect. And the whole point of the, mm. the baby being born um, at As Christmas king. is... Yeah, yeah. Yes. And that's the connection back to Christ the King, which was last week's celebration too. I mean, we're almost on a big slippery slide between a king and a baby. Mm. Um, and yet in God's sort of economy, those two are the same i feel like and i'm just going to mention this briefly because we're not spending a lot of time on it but the epistle reading from the first letter to the corinthians this week that's just the start of the letter the thanksgiving um is a terrific summary um of the in-betweenness that we live in another Mm. way of it's a very concise way of describing the what we're we're talking about a gap really between Mm. what's hoped for and what really is and paul's talking about um the in the that we live in the in-between times, between guilt and blamelessness, you know, between what's yeah. promised and what is, but um, that God's what God provides more than sufficient for us to navigate that, and I feel like that's a a kind of a little commentary mm. on what what Isaiah is poetically proclaiming here. Yeah, so like we've got to be careful not to turn that into too temporal a, a thing, so that. You know, there's the first coming and there's oh, a yes, second coming. No, no, that no. things have not worked out. I mean, we've got to wrestle with the reality of, of things in this context. Sam Wells <laughs> does that too, and I'll, that's the last time I'll mention this episode, I promise, because he's got a great sermon on, I, th- I forget what the text is, it might be this one, but it's about really the distinction between the end of the world and the purpose. Mm. And, 
I mean, this perhaps is most pertinent to the gospel reading coming from Mark, which is very much about the end. Um, but, but we can get caught up in that whole prediction thing. Mm. But um, what really is the main purpose of the world and of God and us? And it is not really the distractions and the trivialities. It's found in the profound gestures of love and sitting beside mm-hmm. a dying friend and in, in things that are, you can't measure and, and pass quickly, mm. but they are about um, encounters with the divine and one another and glimpses where we saw you, that where we sensed you, that's where you were. Mm. Um, and the purpose of the world is in Christ. Mm. And, and encounters and glimpses that may be totally unexpected. Yeah, yeah, and the good news <laughs> is that we have seen the purpose of the world mm. in uh, Jesus Christ and in our relationship with Christ. Yep. And that is the hope that we re-proclaim every week. Mm. So I think we might move on yes. to the gospel, which is Mark chapter six, 13, uh, verses 24 to 37. So this is Jesus' final address. Um, in a way, uh, and a bit like the Isaiah reading, this passage from Mark, we go backwards so that next mm. week we go to chapter 1. Next week mm. in Isaiah we go back to chapter 40. We're seeing a glimpse of the end or descriptions yeah. of the end. And I think um, our lectionary is saying something to us in that in this jumping, uh, in this first week of Advent, right to what we might class as the end and yet coming back to the beginning Yeah, next yeah, week. Yeah. So, very apocalyptic language here, um, and we hear echoes of Daniel, in particular, mm-hmm. I think Daniel 7, in the use of the, yes. the word the Son of Man. I think the Son of Man was first used, mm-hmm. if I'm not yes. mistaken, in Daniel, Son of Man um, being the God who is above the nations and the kings who are all mm. fighting. Um there's clouds, there's breaking, breaking open of heavens in a sense mm, here as well. Echoes of, echoes of Isaiah. Isaiah. Yeah. There's days of, that suffering are occurring. Um, and then we've got two little par- well, two little lessons about the fig tree and um, the necessity for watchfulness. So I think it would be one where you would, again, it's a big theme approach, have you got parts of this passage that step out that strike you particularly? Um, none that strike me particularly. I think one of the things to keep in mind is that this is probably also written around the time of the the Jewish revolt mm. and the the squashing of a quashing of that revolt by the Romans. So mm. there is a real sort of sense, I think, of of um, oppression and a struggle against that in that context. So the immediate sort of social and political context is really quite sort of strong. It's acute, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Even though it might not be in Mark or Mark's readers' immediate experience um, in terms of whether they're involved with it or, or not, um, they're aware of it, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, and this is a passage too that in some hands, as I think we've kind of inferred up to now, can be suggesting we look for signs of the end in Mm. our own environment. Mm. And look, indeed, uh, writers and poets have 
do write today about the global upheavals, um, the climate catastrophe, mm. um, you know, we, COVID is not over, you know, there's still a pandemic going mm. on. Um, at one sense, it has ever been thus. Yes. In a sense, that is <laughs> yes. the predicament of being human and frail and passing like, mm. you know, the wind, as, as Isaiah says. Um, and I think that is the invitation um, to address, this is an invitation to address that, that reality. Mm. I think so, but but also it, it brings together. I mean, we're we're anticipating in Advent, looking forward to the birth of of Jesus. Um, in some ways, a beginning, and yet here we start with the with the end, so to mm. speak. So there there is a, a sense in which what we are hoping for embraces these sort of um, major issues. That, that confront us in the world. Mm. And so it's, yeah, it's not about God being very, very far away. or, the, or no. the, So we say that there were predictions like this in the first century. Oh, yeah, they didn't yeah. happen. Mm. Let's not dwell on that, you know. Um, uh, it's not like we treat Advent as if um, God is still very, very far away and we have to some and overdue and we have mm-hmm. to kind of work out what that means. But as I indicated earlier, it's like the season of Easter um, where we remember a coming of God that gathers up all ca- all of those arrivals, past and future. Mm. And Christ's for us as Christians is the centre of that that echoes yes. back and yes. forward into the into the and future. I think you know, in terms of Advent, I mean, before Easter and before Christmas, there are both periods of waiting. Mm. <laughs> um, Lent before Easter, of course, um, but we're we're looking for a renewal of, of creation, but it's actually sending us back into a remembering of past comings, um, the present coming of God amongst us as well as future coming. So it sort of brings them all together. And the watchfulness mm. here is very mm. evocative to me because it calls us to remember those the main thing wherever mm. we are, you know, yes. as Christian disciples. Mm. What is... The core of things in this moment. What is mm. love here? What what is grace here? What is the truth to be mm. told here? And I'm not talking about podium moments at all. I'm talking about interactions mm. with people yeah. and really yeah. um, unimpressive moments of life that we all go through mm. every day. Mm. Um, what is yeah? Watchfulness is 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 getting us to recognise those times and taking mm. them as the important times. Yeah. It's not just a looking for a time that will come. No. But it's actually reading the signs of the times now of what yeah. what's going on. And How making, do we respond to yeah, that? Yeah, and I mean, you know, in yeah. other words, living as if the kingdom were here mm. because the kingdom is in Christ. It is. It is here, yeah. even though we don't mm. doesn't feel like it is. But watchfulness oh. is living <clears throat> you know Oh, you frowned, you don't agree with that? <laughs> well, it is here, right? <laughs> It is here, yes, but I'm yeah. saying it doesn't feel like it. I know that. it doesn't feel like it. But it is here, and that's the pastoral point. But that's a challenge, and that's mm. a question for us as we wait. Yes, yeah, yeah. in watchfulness. Um, mm. Any uh, Anything else from that reading? No, not the moment. Um, just a note that, uh, again, as well as picking up stuff from uh, passages from Daniel especially chapter 7, you know, there are echoes of Isaiah going on here too. We've mentioned them before. Oh, Isaiah yes. 13, 10 and 
chapter 34, verse 4, which speak about darkness coming mm. upon the earth, about the stars disappearing and mm. those sort of apocalyptic sort of images. Yeah, so for those of you <coughs> listening who um, m- might not have encountered the scriptures as much as others, they're, they're, a lot of these quotes at this time of year come from the book of Isaiah mm. and in some since it's been called the fourth gospel. The fifth gospel. The fifth gospel, <laughs> yes. sorry, I can't count. Yeah. The fifth gospel because it is so crucial to... Oh, yes, yes. It's a lens through mm. which the experience, the people's experience mm. of Christ was read, mm. um, a primary lens, um, which I think is so... You can't almost can't emphasise that too much, that uh-huh. Jesus did not um, come out of nowhere. I mean, it's uh-huh. obvious to say, but... And the, that's true for both the birth and for the... Well, crucifixion and everything, death. And everything, yeah, resurrection. yeah. Resurrection. Yeah, yeah. Well, There's a huge yeah. backstory yeah. that we're invited into thanks to Israel and mm. the prophets. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that All draws right. our conversation okay. to a close for this week. Thanks, Howard. By the Well is brought to you by Pilgrim Theological College and the Uniting Church in Australia. It's produced by Adrian Jackson. Thanks for listening.